Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. Welcome to Season 3, Episode 24 of They Walk Among Us, a podcast dedicated to UK true crime. If you would prefer to listen to our podcast a few days early without adverts, you can. Just head over to patreon.com forward slash they walk among us. Listener caution is advised as this episode contains adult themes and descriptions that some listeners may find distressing. The early spring evening was spent at the George Hotel in Pangbourne, Berkshire. Raymond and June Cook enjoyed their meal while overlooking the Thames. A shot of whiskey each, then wine accompanied their food rounded off with brandy later that night. Raymond, a draftsman, worked hard and frequently came home late. June was a teacher, so was often preoccupied with marking papers or chasing around their young sons. Nights like these alone were a rare treat and they were making the most of it. They left the hotel in their red mini on March 2nd, 1967. Raymond was initially at the wheel. Part way into the drive, he told his wife he felt ill. Maybe it was the alcohol. They stopped and swapped seats. For a change, they drove a more scenic route home. As the couple passed through Rummerhedge Wood near Peppard, Oxfordshire, it was nearly 10 o'clock. It was dark, with woodland on either side of the road. Raymond was suddenly blinded by a pair of full-beam headlights speeding towards the car. That's all he could remember. Raymond 
Raymond and June Cook were married in 1959. June, now 41, and Raymond, 32, were going through an incredibly turbulent time in their marriage. Raymond was having an affair with a young woman from work, Valerie Newell, or Kim to those that knew her. Ray said he was at first captivated by the 23-year-old nursing assistant's looks and quickly fell in love. The pair had met in July 1966 at Borough Court Hospital where they both worked. They were just friends at first, but the relationship developed into an affair after Ray gave Kim a lift home from a party. Raymond left the mother of his children twice in the coming months. He returned a second time a couple of weeks before Christmas after he discovered his wife had changed her will. June would be leaving her money and properties to their children, excluding her husband entirely. Ray managed to convince her that he was no longer seeing Kim, so again June amended her will during the start of the new year, adjusting the children's inheritance to £1,000 each and leaving the rest of her estate to Ray. But Ray hadn't stopped seeing Kim. He paid her rent and gave her a blank cheque. She had been made redundant in September 1966 and was now living on what money Ray had given her. The cheque made out to Kim was filled out to the amount of £100. That could sustain her for a few months. According to Kim, during her affair with Raymond, she met June approximately five times, at least once at June's request, and Kim would later say, she didn't mention our association, but said you aren't the first girlfriend, you know. The two women spoke about broader topics, and Kim now had an opinion of her love rival, and June's relaxed attitude to her husband's affair. She said, we discussed mental health, politics and religion. I formed the impression she was very domineering, and didn't mind about our association. Eric Jones, a married ex-Royal Marine, met Kim Newell when she was 15 and a half. She was still at school and he was on the playing field cutting timber as part of his job as a tree surgeon. Eric, who was two decades older than Kim, offered her a lift home. They met a few more times and not long after the relationship became intimate. She found out she was pregnant shortly before her 17th birthday. At that time, abortion was illegal in the UK and wouldn't be legalised until 1967. Eric offered to perform the abortion for her. Kim agreed. Worryingly, illegal abortions were a sideline of his, and he charged £50 a time. During November 1966, Kim again contacted Eric Jones. She was pregnant and asked him to perform another abortion as she had got involved with a married man. The first meeting was in Wrexham and the second in a Chinese restaurant in Chester just before Christmas. As the meeting progressed, they dropped talk of the abortion after Jones allegedly said he couldn't do anything for her because he was finished with that sort of thing. This was something that Kim Newell would later dispute, claiming that Jones said he could do it, but for an increased fee of £150. Either way, the topic of conversation moved on to Jones, who now fancied himself as a gangster. He claimed that he could handle troublesome wives while the husband could quickly and quietly carry out divorce proceedings. 
Raymond later asked for an explanation on how he did it. Jones said he would kidnap the woman and keep her drugged for six months with his quote, lads in Liverpool. One of the methods he had used before was to dispose of the wife's car down an old mine shaft on his property. It sounded like a tall tale, but Kim and Raymond were buying it for the price of £1,000 upon completion of the kidnapping. Following the car accident in Rummer Hedgewood near Peppard, June Cook was severely injured in the crash. She had a broken neck, a compound fracture to the skull, her blood pressure could not be recorded, and she was in a severe state of shock. She was rushed to Battle Hospital in Reading, but June passed away the following day on March 3rd, 1967. Her husband Raymond, who was also involved in the crash, was left with a small bump on his head and a slightly grazed knee. He told police the couple crashed into a tree. His behaviour when he was driven home didn't sit right with the officers. He could recall little of the events before the crash and seemed confused until he was asked for directions to his home, which he could recite without any problems. Farley View in Spencer's Wood near Reading. Elements of the scene didn't make sense. In particular, a young constable called Sherlock listed a number of inconsistencies. The Mini escaped the collision with minor damage, yet June Cook had severe injuries. The bark on the beech tree which the Mini had crashed into was barely split, and 67 feet away there was a pool of blood on the ground and the interior of the car was sprayed with blood. An appeal was placed in newspapers asking for witnesses to contact police. Robin Franklin, a fireman, came forward with information. He was driving through Rummerhedgewood on the evening of March 2nd with a friend. Before reaching a bend, they saw a navy blue Ford Cortina parked on the side of the road with its lights on and the boot open. When Robin Franklin had just passed the bend, he saw a red Mini half on the road. The lights were off and there was a woman lying on the ground by the driver's side door. A man was bending over her. Robin thought he had come across an accident, so sent his friend to inform the emergency services. He asked the man if the woman needed assistance. He was told no. Robin Franklin told investigating officers that when he peered into the Mini, there was a second man inside who appeared to have been drinking. The first man who had been stood over the woman said he was going to get some towels and walked off. Robin heard footsteps fade into the distance before the sound of what he assumed to be the boot of the blue Cortina being slammed shut. Its engine started and the mystery man left the scene. Police began looking into Raymond Cook's personal life and unearthed a second motive along with the affair. Money. His wife had life insurance worth £1,000 in the event of a fatal car accident. June Cook owned two houses worth £5,000, which equates to roughly £86,000 in today's money. £1,600 was also available in the Cook's joint bank account, and June had always monitored what went in and out. Raymond, on the other hand, was running seriously low on funds. He had just £34 left in his account. Though he had received an insurance payout in September, the money had been frittered away on his mistress's living expenses. 
Raymond Cook was the first to be arrested. Kim Newell told police the baby she was carrying could be fathered by Raymond Cook or a police constable from Reading. The officer she named was interviewed and a report was sent to the Home Office. The pathologist believed that June Cook's injuries could not have been sustained in a car crash and she was not in the driver's seat at the point of impact. She appeared to have been attacked at least twice outside and inside of the car, punched repeatedly in the face and beaten with a blunt object. Experts examined the vehicle and found that the minimal damage caused to the Mini meant that it was travelling between 10 to 15 miles an hour, despite Raymond Cook's insistence that the speed was closer to 30 or 40. After Kim Newell's police interview, she travelled to Wrexham to see Eric Jones, and told him the next time she saw the police, she would be telling them the truth about what had happened. She later claimed that after the admission, Eric threatened to have her killed, saying that he wouldn't do it, but one of his men would. In a thinly veiled threat, he also mentioned her mother, ominously asking, your mother's always alone, isn't she? Eric Jones told Kim if she kept her mouth shut, there would be no evidence against Ray and he would be acquitted. Kim Newell continued to visit and write to Eric, but despite a further interview with police, she never mentioned his name. As the police investigation progressed, an interesting tip came in from Kim's next-door neighbour, Angus MacDonald. On March 2nd, he saw Kim get into a dark blue Ford Cortina when he coincidentally left his home at the same time. He drove behind the car for a short distance before heading in a different direction. He noted the number plate 7711FM. Around the same time, another witness finally came forward, Jeanette Adams, Kim's sister. Kim had been staying at her sister's flat while her house sale was going through. This gave them time to talk. Jeanette Adams told police her siblings spoke about June's death and what had happened. Jeanette was firm with detectives when she reiterated the fact that her sister did not take part in the murder physically. She found it hard to come forward and struggled with the decision for five days before she finally spoke up. During the conversation with her sister, Kim skirted around the details of who committed the murder before finally saying, You won't believe it if I tell you. Someone you don't like. Jeanette asked, Who is it? Kim replied, Eric Jones. Jeanette regained her composure and started to ask more questions. What about the murder weapon? Kim told her sister that she thought it was the handle of a carjack. After Angus MacDonald had reported the number plate to police, it was traced back to Eric Jones. When later asked why she didn't mention him, Kim said, I was scared for my mother more than anything else. She lives not far from Mr Jones. 45-year-old plant manager Eric Jones was arrested on suspicion of murder. In his statement, he recounted the night he ended June Cook's life on the side of the dark woodland road. As Raymond and June Cook drove through Rummerhedge Wood, they stopped for a man whose car appeared to have broken down. June didn't feel safe as the man was wearing rubber gloves. Raymond asked his wife if they should give the stranded man a lift into town. 
The question was more of a formality, really. Raymond wasn't waiting for her answer. Being only a three-door vehicle, Eric Jones slid into the back seat of the Mini from the driver's side door, but Raymond didn't get back into the car. June knew something was seriously wrong and raised her arm in fear. Eric would tell police. She started shouting for Ray, and I hit her on the jaw with my fist. She was leaning on the driver's seat shouting, Ray! I wanted to get out, and I pushed her out of the way, and it was then I hit her with my fist. When I got out, she came back again to the driver's seat shouting for Ray. Then Ray came and gave me my car jack, which he must have got from my car, and I hit her with it on the head. Eric Jones also told detectives that when he went to leave the scene in his Ford Cortina, Raymond stopped him and demanded that he smash the Mini as he had promised. The trial was held at Oxford Assizes in early May 1967. A doctor from Holloway Prison was questioned by Judge Stable about the toll a three-week trial would take on Kim Newell's pregnancy. Dr. George Ray said, I don't think necessarily it could alter her pregnancy, except that it is a long and tedious procedure for her and the question of exhaustion could come into it. The judge decided he would wait until the following week to choose whether Kim would be put on trial with Eric Jones and Raymond Cook or postpone her trial until October when she would have recovered from the birth of her child. Eric Jones was the first to take the stand. Detective Chief Inspector Arthur Woolridge read out a statement in which Jones had confessed to killing June Cook. He said he had used a carjack. Nigel Fricker objected to the statement being used and said his client had made the confession under oppression and inducement. The magistrates disagreed and decided it was a piece of evidence that should be admitted. Eric Jones told the court that Kim Newell had taken him to the woods and said that Ray would be along about 9.30 to 10pm that evening. They were going to stage an accident by driving Raymond Cook's car into a tree. Shortly before Raymond arrived, Eric took a short stroll looking for the perfect tree to run a car into. When he saw the red mini stop, Raymond was at the wheel. Eric Jones told the court, I went to the passenger side door to speak to Mrs. Cook, but as I went to open the door, she locked it. I went back to talk to Ray, who was standing somewhere near my car, and I said I couldn't do it. Jewelry isn't a gift you give just once. It's a way to remind your loved one of a beautiful moment every time they see it. Blue Nile can help you find the gift that says how you feel and says it beautifully with expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com and experience the convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com to find the perfect jewelry gift for any occasion. BlueNile.com Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, Right. For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. 
That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. This episode of They Walk Among Us is brought to you in association with Centair. Ever entered a seemingly perfect space only to feel like something was missing? That's where Centair comes in. With over three decades of experience, Centair leads the scent marketing industry, scenting resorts, retail outlets, event spaces and more, partnering with major brands like Westin Hotels and Snap Fitness. Chances are you've already encountered their fragrances firsthand, and now Centair is offering you a luxury fragrance experience in the comfort of your home. Visit Centair.com to explore their online store and infuse your spaces with unforgettable scents. Centair diffusers are sleek and fill your space with vivid fragrance for up to 300 hours. And the Centair app lets you schedule your fragrance and control your intensity right from your phone. What's more, all of Centair's more than 60 fragrances are phthalate-free, cruelty-free, safe for families and EcoVad is certified sustainable. Differentiate your space with scent. Try luxury home fragrance trusted by the pros by going to Centair.com and using promo code Among Us for an extra 25% off your first order. That's promo code Among Us for an extra 25% off your first order at Centair.com. On the fourth day of the trial, despite his earlier testimony, Eric Jones changed his plea from not guilty to guilty. Now giving evidence for the prosecution, he said that Kim Newell threatened him and said that if he didn't kill June Cook, she would tell his wife and police about the illegal abortions he had performed. He said when Kim showed him the planned scene of the murder, he tried to make an excuse so as to not go through with it, but he said she snapped. He told the court, she would be on the phone to my wife and expose me for all the abortions, the ones I had done for Newell. She said she would be on the phone to my house by 10 the next morning. She reminded me I'd get eight years for the abortions. Eric Jones was asked if he had illegally performed two abortions on Kim Newell, and he responded, four, and two on her friends under the same threat. You are being blackmailed, is that it? Yes. Blackmailed into abortion and blackmailed into the murder, is that the story? Yes, said Eric Jones. You hate Newell, don't you? Yes, I do, he said. He was asked about Raymond Cook's participation during the attack on June. Jones said, none, beyond handing me the jack. He insisted that Cook started the car and put it into gear before crashing it into a tree. Eric Jones would go on to claim that Kim Newell suggested that he gas June Cook by putting her head in the oven after she drank a strong coffee laced with sleeping pills. She also told him about a physical altercation she had had with June, the result of which left June with a small bold spot where Kim had pulled out her hair. For his guilty plea, Eric Jones received life imprisonment. J. 
Judge Stable had made the decision that Kim Newell would be tried in May, along with Eric Jones and Raymond Cook, rather than after the birth of her child. During the trial, witness Clayland Thomas took to the stand. He told the court that he and his wife shared a bottle of wine with Raymond and Kim a few weeks before Christmas in 1966. The subject of June Cook came up in conversation, and according to the witness, Kim spat, She's a bitch. She has plenty of money and doesn't know what to do with it. I would kill her if I could get away with it. Clayland told her, It's no good thinking all that because you won't get away with it anyway. She replied, If you know anyone who would do the job, I would pay them to do it. The witness went on to detail a Christmas party he had attended where Kim spoke of a confrontation she had had with June Cook in which blows were exchanged. Kim's older sister Jeanette Adams also took to the stand and relayed the discussion she had with a sibling that convinced her to go to the police after June Cook's murder. Prosecutor Brian Gibbons QC addressed the jury and told them that he believed the car crash had been staged to hide the fact that, quote, murder had been done, murder for hire. He said, You would judge the mentality of Cook, who took his wife to an excellent dinner and then took her out to get slaughtered by Jones in the woods. He and Newell arranged to employ a former lover of Newell's, Eric Jones, to be the assassin. The defence counsel for Raymond Cook claimed his client believed Eric Jones was going to kidnap his wife and hold her hostage for six months in Liverpool, where his boys would take care of her. In the meantime, Raymond could file for a divorce. Raymond Cook addressed the court and said, My impression was that Jones would like to help Newell and myself get married, but that Jones would not think about anything until he had some money. When asked about paying Jones the £1,000, Cook stated, I thought he was going to be able to assist getting a divorce from my wife. Raymond Cook claimed that on the evening of March 2nd, after he exited the Mini, he walked away from the car, believing his wife was going to be kidnapped. He intervened when his wife was struck, but claimed that Eric Jones knocked him down. He confirmed that he had known his wife was alive but unconscious when the car was driven into the tree. Brian Gibbons QC asked Cook, Since you knew she was alive, by driving the car into the tree, were you assisting in killing her finally? He replied, I do not know. I cannot account for my actions. He stated that Eric Jones had not verbally intimidated him, his family or Kim Newell. In contrast to Eric Jones's account, Cook said that Jones left the mini staggering and swearing after he had attacked June. Cook tried to punch Jones but missed, and in retaliation Jones struck him in the stomach. He said, Jones was the one to go and get the car jack. He seemed berserk. He got the jack and ran back to the mini, grabbed my wife's hair, then started hitting her. Raymond Cook insisted that he let Eric Jones into the car with his wife because he thought she was going to be chloroformed. Jones would then drive the car into a tree. Cook could then claim his wife had woken up in a confused state, wandered off and then disappeared. He said he thought Jones was going to take his wife away for a period and perhaps he would receive some compromising pictures later to make the divorce go in his favour. Cook said it was Jones steering the car when it crashed into a tree. He said he only agreed to the crash story because in his words, Jones was absolutely ruthless and he was concerned for his children. 
Cook told the court that at no time did Kim Newell indicate to him that she thought his wife was going to be murdered. He was asked, did she give the smallest indication in any way that she might have believed serious harm may have come to your wife? No, I would not have had anything to do with it if any suggestion of this had been made. Cook was asked if he still loved Kim Newell. With his head bowed low, he answered, Yes. Kim Newell was next to take the stand. The judge inspected the pregnant defendant first and inquired with the court staff, Are there any cushions? She sat upright looking at the jury, but her words came out softly and rather faint. After a couple of questions, the judge asked her to raise her voice. When asked about previous convictions, she brought up a minor offence committed when she was a teenager. She had stolen two pounds and received a conditional discharge for the crime. Kim confirmed Raymond Cook's story when she was cross-examined. She believed it was going to be a kidnapping. She said she had gone to a bridge over the River Blackwater with Eric Jones, and he had brought a friend that Jones claimed was one of his lads from Liverpool. She was told they were going to put June Cook in the water. She laughed, believing it to be a joke. She quizzed Eric Jones later, asking if he planned to harm June, and he responded, Killing is not my business. Kim Newell confessed she had shown Eric Jones the scene of the planned kidnapping before it was due to take place. She spoke about the day June Cook was killed and said Raymond Cook had been at her flat. Cook showed her where to go on a map. She said, he asked me if I could meet Jones and take him to the appointed place. He said it was to kidnap June. He asked me if I could do this just for him, as he was always doing things for me. I felt obligated, so I went. I did not think anything would happen to June. Kim told the jury that she believed June did not oppose the affair between her and Raymond Cook, as long as Raymond continued living at home. Though June didn't say that to her specifically, that was the impression that she got when the pair had met. Kim was permitted by officers to write two letters to Raymond Cook after her arrest. The first letter was relayed to the court, and an excerpt read, I told them in all honesty, I did not know June was going to be killed that night. I said that on a few occasions. Jones had promised not to harm her, just lose her for about six months, to allow you to get the divorce you wanted. Another excerpt read, When you make your statement to the police, Ray Love, please do not worry about your children or me. Well, darling, you and I will have to stand together. We are both bloody fools in even letting Jones kidnap her. She signed the letter, Fondest Love, Kim. The second sent a day after the first mentioned the police had gone to Wrexham to arrest Eric Jones. She cemented her claim of not knowing it was murder in this letter as well as the first, and her language to Raymond continued to be affectionate. She was also asked if she planned to wed Raymond. She said, I had no intention of marrying Mr. Cook. The judge intervened and asked, Do you say at the time you had no intention of marrying Cook? The prosecutor also remarked, He believed he did. The defendant responded, I do not know. He never spoke of marriage. Brian Gibbons QC addressed Kim. 
Mr. Cook said by the end of December things were getting difficult between you and you were having rows because he was unable to offer marriage to you then as he could not get a divorce from his wife. Is that wrong? That is what Mr. Cook has said. She retorted, I was going out with my ex-fiancé again. That was what was causing all the rows. Would you agree that Mr. Raymond Cook throughout the time you knew him was a sort of simple Simon Bumpkin who did as you bid him? No, replied Kim. The defendant was then asked, was it necessary nonetheless to say frequently or in the presence of people that you were toughening him up? She replied, did not say it frequently, I said it once. Kim had told police that she wasn't honest with them because she feared for her mother's safety, that during cross-examination she confessed to lying to cover up for Raymond Cook and Eric Jones. The judge asked if some of her stories were absolute moonshine. She replied, yes, it was lies. Kim Newell insisted that Eric Jones had threatened her mother, though not directly. She stated, he said my mother was always on her own. He did not say he would kill my mother, but I took it that he would. He was very frightening. She said her second and final meeting with Jones was at a garage near Wrexham. He told her he had been questioned by the police again. She quizzed him on how he had killed June, and at first he was reluctant to tell her, but in the end he relented. She said, eventually he had told me that he had hit her with a carjack, and the police still did not know it was him. She was asked, this threat to kill your mother has never been mentioned by you in any statement whatsoever to the police, has it? Kim replied, No, it has not. The prosecutor said, You have made it up in the witness box. I have not made it up at all, said Kim. In fact, I told my sister. In his closing statement, Kim Newell's defence counsel, William Howard QC, said, this is, I trust, a trial, not a witch hunt. Both of these men have taken their pleasure of this woman. Both come now to condemn her. Speaking to the jury, Prosecutor Brian Gibbons QC said of Kim, There have been women in history who have done this. Lady Macbeth got her husband to commit murder while she remained aside. She often urged Cook to toughen up. He was in her grip. She was the one to provide the motive. She was the one who found the means and to what purpose. Cook thought of marriage and love, and she thought of nothing except money. You have seen there a very clever, ruthless and dangerous woman. She was, to begin with, ready with lies with which she persisted until she found it could go no further. So she withdrew them from defending the man she had got into trouble and had concentrated on defending herself. If Jones had not been called as a crown witness, it would have meant that both Cook and Newell would subsequently put the blame on him. You saw what sort of man he was. Whether you believe him or not is a matter entirely up to you. The jury of ten men and two women took just three hours to find both Valerie Kim Newell and Raymond Cook guilty. Both Kim Newell and Raymond Cook were sentenced on June 21st. They stood together in the dock and showed no emotion, though Kim Newell burst into tears when the judge began to speak. Cook received life for murder, 
and Newell, convicted of accessory before the fact, was also sentenced to life imprisonment. As the judge, Mr. Justice Stable, passed his sentence, he said, Each of you will be imprisoned for life. But may I say that as a matter of discretion, I should impose the same sentence in each case. The judge's parting words focused on the officers that solved the case. I should like to call attention to the patient and intelligent work of the police in the investigation of this strange story. The young police officer Sherlock, but for whose intelligence this car accident might have escaped further inspection. Kim and Raymond were permitted 45 seconds alone in a cell below the courtroom at Kim's request before the pair were taken to prison. Raymond Cook had a short walk to his cell, which was located at the back of the Assizes, and Kim was driven to Holloway Prison. Jeanette Adams didn't attend the sentencing hearing, instead returned to Wales to console her parents. Before she left, she said, I went through five days of sheer torture before the decision was made to tell the police. It was too much to keep on my conscience. So where are we now? The mother and baby wing of Holloway Prison was Kim Newell's home until August 9th when she went into labour. She was then transferred to a maternity hospital nearby to give birth to her baby at 3pm. Close relatives were informed of the birth and were permitted to visit her while she was there. Her son Paul was born a healthy £6, 12 hours after Kim arrived at the hospital. He was allowed to live with his mother in prison for approximately nine months. Kim Newell appealed her sentence and hoped that she would be released to take care of her son. Failing an acquittal, she wanted the boy to go and live with her 45-year-old mother Dorothy Newell in Wrexham. She hoped to be reunited with him after she left prison. Her appeal was denied. In 1978, now aged 34, she was allowed out on a weekend release and spent it with her parents and would walk on the beach with a man that was rumoured to be her fiancé. 48-year-old ex-army major Walter Kerr was said to have proposed to her six years earlier and was waiting for her to be permanently free. After she served 12 years of her sentence, Kim Newell was released on March 11, 1979 from Arscombe Grange Open Prison in York. Eric Jones and Raymond Cook were released months before, after serving 11 years. Upon her release, Kim told reporters, I'm thinking of writing a book about my 12 years of hell. It was a goal she never accomplished. After Kim Newell moved back to Wales, her father spoke about his daughter. He said, She wants to start a new life here. She wants no fuss, just to forget and find a job. Kim tried to repay her debt to society. She worked in a school, cooked for her mother's charity functions, and gave help and shelter to another ex-prisoner. In the early 1990s, Kim Newell was diagnosed with cancer, and before losing the fight she told the press, Yes, I feel remorse. She didn't deserve to die. Kim also said of Raymond Cook and Eric Jones, I never loved them. I only loved my dog. 
Thank you for listening and special thanks to our Patreon supporters. For more information, please visit theywalkamonguspodcast.com. Make sure you subscribe on Apple Podcasts or your favourite podcast provider. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Sick of being upsold at gyms? My guy, you're currently a base member. For $90 more, I can upgrade you to our Shred membership. For $130 more, you'll be a swole member. And for just $300 more, you'll reach Sweat Platinum. At Planet Fitness, you'll get energy without the upsell. Never pushy, always free fitness training and equipment for every workout. It's fitness that fits your budget. Join Planet Fitness for just $1 down and $10 a month. Cancel anytime. Deal ends Friday, May 10th. See Home Club for details.